Good morning. I want to welcome you guys here to Northwest Community Church. Obviously, we've got a little bit of a different Sunday. You've got an email about that. We're excited about this morning. Looking forward to being able to share with you and what's going on. Do want to let you know that if you are a guest with us, great Sunday to be here this morning. We're going to be able to share some stuff about our church going forward, our vision. And we just are really excited about that. So we're glad that you're here. There is a copy of November at Northwest that has a connection card. Hopefully you'll take that, fill it out, place it in the offering towers there at the back of the building. Again, we'd love to connect with you and meet you after the service if in any way possible. A couple of things before we get started here. As I go to get started, I want us to learn a lesson from The Price is Right. The Price is Right was long, the longtime host of The Price is Right was? There you go, Bob Barker. Come on down and Bob Barker. So here's what would happen at The Price is Right. You'd say, come on down, and then all of a sudden after that, the, they would say, and the star of the show is Bob Barker. So as long as he was the host of the show, that's what they would say in, in, in order to introduce him. Then in 2008, about 10 years ago, uh, Drew Carey took over the host duties for The Price is Right. And the first year, they would say, and the star of the show is Drew Carey. And after working there for a year, Drew went to the team and said, I don't want you to say that anymore. Because this does not happen without all of these people. I am one member of a great team. And that's, why, that's how I want you to introduce me. Just introduce me as Drew Carey. So here's our lesson for today. Our lesson for today is that we humbly come before you, excited about what God is going to do, members of a team for the glory of God and for the fame of his name. And so we love you. We are praying for us as a church, and we're excited to be able to share some things with you this morning. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to go ahead and get started here, okay? Holy God, I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for the love that you have given to us. I want to thank you, God, for the lessons that we learn and the trials that we go through. We are better because of it. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your gift of life. We thank you for your spirit who leads us. And so we ask you right now, God, for the spirit to lead us today as we communicate with confidence where you desire for us to go. We love you. We're grateful to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, as I was singing that last part with Scott and the band, be my delight. That is true. That is what we desire. And I pray that it is also what you desire, that he is your delight. It is a pleasure to sit before you today. We're going to share several things. You know, it has been said, and I heard it even this morning, that it's never good when all of us are up here. Good news for you today is not that day. Amen. From us as well. From us as well. Seriously, though, we apologize that some of you do have fear of bad news when you see us up here. That should not be the case. We realize we have not done a good enough job of being a positive, visible presence. And we're working to change this. We don't want the difficult times that we can have as a church family to be the only times you see us up here. We are also very excited about what Northwest has done over the past 10, 11 years. You'll hear a lot about that. Even in the midst of some perceived and perhaps real uncertainty and sadness, we're extremely excited about what God is doing. My name is Brian Cross, my wife Brittany, and our children have been part of Northwest the last six years. I've been able to serve as part of the elder team for the last five. Although I grew up in church, Northwest, the first time 
I have felt part of a church family. Certainly doesn't mean that church life is perfect. But we have been cared for, accepted, loved on, and felt like we've been part of a family of believers. And for this, I'm, I'm very thankful. If you have not experienced this at Northwest, I pray that you soon will. There are also times when we all need to be the ones to accept others where they are, to love on them, to encourage them, to care for them, to be excited for them, as well as to share the burden of grief. I pray that you will also share in that experience. Brothers and sisters, this is why we go to church, why we're part of a church. We are the church, being united together. We have been given the great opportunity to, by our Lord and Savior to be his children and to be brothers and sisters all called to giving our lives for the gospel. We want that to be about us today and moving forward. This local body of believers you choose to attend is the body that you and your spiritual gifting can help. I want to encourage you and also challenge you that if that is not you this morning, that you examine yourself and what God has done in your life to where he can use you best for this local body. We ask you this morning also to please hear our hearts as we share several things. First of all, each of the men up here take this role as staff elders, pastors, and lay elders very seriously. John will be sharing some details and some verses that certainly echo in our minds as elders. We do not take for granted or believe that this position gives us any special right to lead in a way that would not honor our Lord. Our prayer is that we always walk humbly with our God, with each other, bringing God's word to you, serving you, protecting you, and encouraging you. For those of you who have been part of Northwest for some time, you have been around for some challenges the last 14 months or so. We have not done an adequate job of being transparent or sharing of information. Transparency doesn't mean that we'll all hear what we talk about in elder meetings. But we do need a better job of clarifying as much as possible. And we're moving forward and changing that. As most of you know, for several years, we were in the process of getting, getting some land. That God was a miracle that he allowed us to have this property that we now have. So amen to that. You all prayed for this quite a long time. And we're excited about the land. And we will continue to seek him and wait for God's direction as he leads. As we have news to share, we will bring it to you. I will say the process of acquiring the land, working with brokers, builders, architects, etc., may have become a distraction. Although the land is a blessing and a miracle from the Lord, we also believe that over a several year period, we have lost some missional focus. We concentrated too much at times on buildings, staffing for that building, growth, programs that we could get going once we're on our church campus. We never lost sight of the gospel, though. But sometimes when you're doing things to help, quote-unquote, build the church, distractions can occur. And for this, we do apologize. 2017, as I mentioned earlier, if you were around, was also a challenging and painful year. We had a transition in leadership that was extremely difficult. These men up here and the other two are currently on sabbatical handled this situation with grace and mercy to the best of our abilities. This transition in leadership and the loss of some missional focus 
led us to a consultative process called Axana, which you may have heard about. Adam will share that in more details, but in short, when we first heard about it, we were super excited as an elder team that our staff would be going through this process. They were to discover exactly how God had gifted them, how each of them fit on staff, their roles and responsibility, as well as the vision of Northwest moving forward. Little do we know that this Exano process, along with the difficult transition in 2017 of leadership, would end up leading Jerry and Becca to the decision that they made recently. Although this decision was difficult, we believe and still believe that this was the best for the Heinz family as well as for Northwest. Jerry is a wonderful brother, a gifted teacher, as well as a humble servant of the Lord. Jerry believes in the vision of Northwest moving forward, but also knows that this time in front of his family will be a sweet time of reflecting on their gifting as well as their passions as they pursue loving the Lord. Jerry did not quit on Northwest. He listened to the Lord as to the timing of his decision, and we know God will do a powerful work through him and through his family moving forward. I know we all share great excitement about what's, what God has done and what he continues to do for our church. Shortly and over the next few weeks, you'll hear more about our vision and our plans. We do pray that you would come alongside of us and do that same thing with us. Good morning. My name's Adam, and I am head over the student ministries here, middle and high school students. Been here for a little over nine years and have been in that role the whole time in some capacity. And I've seen God do some really incredible things here through this body of believers. I do want to say, though, that this last year has been a really, really difficult one for a lot of us, and I would say has been the hardest one of my life for many reasons. However, I am very, very excited to be able to share just over the next few minutes with a mission statement that we believe through the process of Oxano that I'll address here in a second, God has led us to that's very, very specific, very, very clear, and really what we should be all about. It's a it's a mission statement that everything we want to do moving forward is going to center on. You'll hear about staff alignment changes here in just a few minutes as well, and those, those changes also are centered on the new mission statement, and it sounds kind of simple to say that. There's a lot more that goes into it, but I'm going to share just kind of at a high level what that is. So we did begin this process with Oxano back in February and it was a very difficult process for everyone who went through it because we had to do some really deep internal evaluation of our gifting and some of our, our passions and, and kind of where we felt like we fit into God's overall plan for building his kingdom, but specifically here at Northwest. We talked about strategy. We talked about philosophy of ministry. And we talked for hours upon hours upon hours and prayed for hours and hours and did a lot of examining just culturally where are we located in North Carolina, what is our surrounding community, what is the makeup, and all of these things, all these hours we put in led us to a very specific mission. In fact, even just a few weeks ago, we, we took it so seriously that we even made one little tweak that we felt like was, okay, now we're exactly where God wants us to be. So the statement is up here behind me, and it says that we are about 
compassionately guiding generations through gospel transformation one home at a time. So I want to break it down just a little bit. And in the coming weeks, we're going to break it down even more for you. But you see right up front that word generations. And we believe that this encompasses, and you look in our body and in our area, really, really young birth age to those that are a little bit more, more seasoned in their life, a little more aged. And so generations goes, runs the whole gamut. And then you, you see also that there's a process of gospel transformation. There's no, there's no finality found in this statement. There's not an end. There's not an end goal necessarily because it's a process that goes all the way till when we either pass away or when Jesus come back, comes back and takes us home. Because gospel transformation begins first and foremost, even before someone becomes a believer, it begins when we are living a life that reflects the love that Jesus has for us, when we're loving people like Jesus loved and loves us, and when we're trying to be an influence in their lives, and they begin searching, and they begin asking questions, and they begin to have a kind of a, an interest in the things of God, that's when the gospel transformation story has kind of begun. And then, of course, we know that at the point of salvation, that is kind of the big moment in gospel transformation. But even after that, it continues all the way up until the end of our time on this earth because we are being made more and more into the image of Christ as we, as we pursue God, as we live daily, and as we try to, to mimic our lives to look like the life of Christ. And so we call that in the the theological realm, we call that sanctification, but we are all about the process of taking people through that transformation, uh, beginning before they know Christ, as they come to understand who he is for their life, and then on beyond that. Uh, and then we, we wanted to make it very, very specific and intentional to not just the leadership and how we pursue this, but to everybody who would call Northwest home, all, the whole body of believers. And that's why we, we kind of settled on this idea of one home at a time. We didn't say one house at a time because everybody's home looks different. We know that homes could be apartment living. We know that homes could be, you know, their townhouses, their standalone, whatever that looks like. A home is, is a place in which you reside. And so we wanted it to be very specific to everybody in here, but not too specific so it leaves people out. So one home at a time. We are missional in our, in our living. We want to reach those around us in our, in our neighborhoods. We want to reach people in our communities. We want to reach people in our workplaces. So we we want to drive this, this idea that we are all involved in this mission and it begins one home at a time and then expands out into the world and even to the ends of the world, as we know we're called to uh, in Scripture. So I get really, really excited about this statement because I think it really is clear what God wants us to do and how he wants us to do it. Now, there's a lot more that goes into it, and I wish I could just, like, preach it, but December 2nd, 9th and 16th, it will be preached, and we've broken it down into three, three components. You have the guiding generations, you have the gospel transformation, and then you have the one home at a time. And so Matt is going to share scripturally why we believe this is exactly what God has called us to uh, as Northwest Community Church and, and why this is really what we want to be all about and what we want to be centered on. So John Abel is going to come now and talk about elder roles, staff alignment, and kind of how that plays into this new mission that, that we have. Thanks, Adam. My name is John Abel. I've been coming to Northwest now uh, with my family. I have a wife and four children. We came since 2012. Our first service was Christmas Eve on 2011, and ever since then, one of the greatest things that we've loved and why we've stayed at Northwest is because of the community. For us, this has truly been a group of people that we 
have been able to do life with. One of the things we prayed about when we were looking for a church was we wanted to go to church with our neighbors. And we really, really have been able to do that. And it was really cool, you know, having come from another church, you know, the first night we met several people in our neighborhood and just have been able to further connect through the school systems and just doing life around this community. So that is one of the key things that we are very passionate about. And so I'm super excited just to see how our mission statement is so much kind of putting that into words, even though that's been a large part of our culture for a while now. Today I have the pleasure and responsibility of going over kind of more of the structure of our church from a leadership perspective. So I'm going to get into some details. I'm just going to ask for you to hang in there with me. But it's very important for you to understand kind of how we're structured. So you've seen the mission. And then it's like, well, how are we going to structure ourselves and organize ourselves to go and accomplish that? This all starts, and I think the graphic's up, with Jesus. We know from scripture that Jesus is the head of the church, and the church is his bride. And as it relates to our specific instantiation of the church, we are an elder-led church. And so I'm going to spend some time this morning kind of talking about that. Now, an elder, there are multiple terms in scripture that are used to describe or define that, that role. And we sometimes use the, you see the word as an overseer or a pastor or a shepherd. We, I'm going to be specifically using the term elder this morning, but those are synonymous when you're talking about the role of an elder. And so in this case, they can really be used inter interchangeably. Northwest, it is and always has been an elder-led church. We have a plurality of leadership, okay? So it means there's not just one person at kind of the head, if you will. If you look at our organization chart, you'll see that. That's why there's a circle there representing the elders, plural. Basically, the elder team is accountable to Christ, and to the body to shepherd and lead well according to biblical principle. So within the elder team specifically, we do not have a leader of leaders identified. We don't have, in some cases you hear of a senior pastor or kind of a lead pastor model. That's not Northwest. Specifically, you know, it may have been said or you've heard it said, you know, if everyone's in charge, then no one's in charge. I want to be very clear that is not how we operate. Specifically, we have leads within the team, and you'll see some more about these specific roles and responsibilities here in a minute, assigned for very focused areas where they have both accountability and responsibility. So in those specific roles, they have the ability to make decisions on a day-to-day -day level, and it isn't kind of death by committee. Or, but we want you to understand that major decisions of mission and vision reside and are made at that elder table by a plurality of leadership. I mean, one goal really is that a plurality of leadership avoids the church being too heavily focused on one person's talents, gifts, and abilities. We believe that there's safety and accountability in this model. And ultimately, this model requires each man imitate Christ's humility, as we see in Philippians 2, and work together as a team. At Northwest, we have both lay and staff elders. So I'm going to explain to you what that is. So on the top, you can see in red boxes, lay elders, and there's no significance why those are on top and the staff are on the bottom. But one thing that we, we do always try to in our church polity or governance is have more lay elders than staff elders. And I think it'll be kind of transparent or clear why. The lay elders are members of the church body who are called out from the body and affirmed by the body. They have to go through the qualifications, which I'll talk about here in a minute. And then once they're in those roles, there's affirmed. And, and these are strictly volunteer positions. Okay, so I'm a lay elder on the team up here. Right now, we also have staff elders, you can see on the bottom, and those are some of our new job descriptions, if you will, uh, roles, titles that we're going to talk about in a minute. But those staff elders are similarly qualified, but they're paid positions. Okay, so Matt Rice right now is our only staff elder, 
And we're in the process, and you'll see more about the new roles that we're going to move David and Adam into, but we're working through with David and Adam the qualification process of eldership, and they are ultimately, you know, I mean, I believe, but they will ultimately be affirmed as elders here in the, in the near future. So that's, that's something that we all have to look forward to in those new roles. But those are staff elder roles that we're going to be talking about in a minute. So what do we base the qualifications of an elder on? We find in Scripture the most notable places where that is detailed out is Titus 1, 5 through 9, and 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Now, we don't have a lot of time this morning, so I'm not going to ask you to turn there, and we're not going to do a super deep dive into it, but I am going to give you kind of a summary. And this isn't an exhaustive list, but these are the things that Scripture tells us that are the qualifications for an elder. I'm going to read through a few of them. You know, he must aspire to the office having a desire for it. This is something that is key. You know, there's, there's oftentimes people who are very qualified, but that's not something that they desire, and that is not, that right there is sometimes something that would mean why someone isn't an elder, or they don't go through the, and finish the process, is because, you know, if they don't have that internal desire that they feel God is calling them into that role, it's very important you don't want them up here leading you, right? I mean, if somebody doesn't really desire that. Must be a man of character, must be above reproach, which includes the following, husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, must manage his household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, must not be a recent convert, and must be well thought, by, thought of by outsiders and able to teach. Now, these are the qualifications in which all the men up here strive to uphold before Christ, ultimately, and before you, the body. And certainly we would ask, if at any time there's ever a reason for you to call any of those qualifications into question, that we as a team need to be able to receive that and are accountable to Christ in order to do that. And so this is the standard that we set for anyone that is considering it. And my message to you this morning is we are going to be opening up a call for new elders. We believe that's kind of long overdue, and we've been kind of waiting for the right opportunity. And so over the coming months, you're going to be learning more about our view of what we believe Scripture teaches on eldership. We're going to be putting a call out for those in the body to nominate elders. We'll tell you more about what that process looks like. But basically, we'd ask for you to start praying now about who those men in our body might be. And, and if, even if God is prompting you in that way to potentially serve our, our, our body in that way, to be thinking about that. And so David is going to come up next and kind of further unpack for you some of these specific roles that we've aligned with the vision of you know, shepherding and, and guiding families through gospel transformation one home at a time. Thanks, John. Uh, if uh, we haven't had the privilege of meeting, my name is David, and it's been a privilege to be here on staff for a good season of time. I realized as I was preparing my comments that this week is uh, the 10-year anniversary of our first conversation about joining this team. And then a week later, the week after Thanksgiving, uh, we came back to North Carolina again, and we uh, interviewed and had meetings with elders. And then a month later, Shannon and I, as seven months into marriage, I think, six months, uh, moved down here to join this team and met some of you that very first Sunday. Some of you I met on the interviewing weekend, and it's been a privilege. But seeing the things my kids, five-year-old son and four-year-old daughter, are being affected by the gospel through many of you. Some of you this morning might even have been teaching Isaac and Zoe about the gospel through wherever you are in the Old Testament right now. And I love hearing them come home and share those things with me. And I get fired up thinking about what I've been able to be part of, just a simple part of this team for the past almost 10 years. And looking ahead, I, I'm even more excited 
I'm more excited because I believe God's giving us some clarity around things, as Brian mentioned, where there's some, some, some focus that we may have, may, have, may have lost sight of some of the things that were, as uh, we're challenging scripture, we've lost sight of our first love. If we've lost sight of where we're going and what God has for us. And, and this Sunday is about that. It's not just about seeing us up here and changing that stigma of the elder team sitting here being bad news. That's good. That's healthy. It's not just about 10 words that Adam shared with you that are important words. It's about this is, this is the start of where we believe God is shaping us for years to come of how we're going to uniquely see the gospel transform lives here in this community. And um, so as I talk about a few roles, that's the, the job I have. It's in, in that perspective. It's, it's so that we can be most effective and so that we can use our gifts and strengths that we've gone through this past year. It has been a grueling season of thinking through these things, strategizing around this and, and coming to some of these things that we're beginning to unpack for you that it's only the beginning. And God's going to do a good work as we continue to develop this. Things are going to change. Some of these things aren't immediate. Some of these things you'll see like, well, who is that person? We don't know yet. And so those are some things too. And so you see behind me that there's four, four positions that John referenced that were on the elder staff level that we've identified that we, we're calling kind of a pastoral staff team. Uh, we believe these are the four key roles that we need at this season right now uh, to lead in our area of mission and vision. And so I'm going to just start and run through real quick. You can read Matt in a role of, of teaching and care. Most of you say, well, duh, that's great. Of course. Some of you might say, yeah, he's been doing that. So let's uh, take some of those things off of his plate. Yes, we're going to get to that in a minute too. But we want to affirm that. And you're going to hear from Steve in a minute on why this is Matt's sweet spot. And we're going to do our very best to protect him as a team so that the area is where he is serving, where each of us are serving, is where we are most gifted. And so we see Matt in this role, teaching about two-thirds of the time, not 100% of the time, because we want you to continue to hear from others. We want you to hear from some of these guys that some of you are like, hey, I've never seen that guy. Yep, he's going to be preaching soon. He doesn't know it, but we're working on that one. So uh, we're excited about that, though, because we believe that learning from this body, hearing from panels, as you've heard from in the past, when we've shared stories up here, it's not just one person that God's anointed to only bring the word, but that God is working in each of us, and that's important. So, But Matt's going to provide leadership in that area, as well as care and counseling. Adam's role, uh, you see up there, it's called Next Gen Pastor. You'll hear more, a little more in a few minutes about that, but uh, we believe that as we talk about generations, and as we look at how we are transforming lives, how the Spirit is transforming lives, how we're part of what he's doing, that having someone who is uniquely gifted to lead in that area from birth through college and give not just, hey, let's put a curriculum out there, this one looks good, but really giving leadership to that and why that's a cohesive plan and process and where that takes a child uh, who is born in this ministry, who moves here, wherever they are, even if they're just a senior in high school, how that's going to be part of their journey and how we can come alongside them. And Adam is going to be stepping into that role, and we're really excited for how that expands his opportunity for influence. And you see me up there. I get to do some things I've been doing all along, but with a little bit different spin, kind of being the guy that keeps the focus. As we define things, that I'm the one that makes sure that, hey, we're asking the right questions and we're bringing the right people alongside and Matt's not trying to do everything and Adam's not trying to do everything and me too and, and we're bringing the right people in to get the job done to do what God has called us to do. And so I'm excited about that. In addition, uh, we've, if everybody's in charge, nobody's in charge, there's some areas where we've noticed we've had nobody in charge. And, and one of those areas that right now is gonna fall under me that uh, is up there is outreach partnerships. And as we talk about our global staff and how are they, how are we coming alongside them? How are we partnering with them? Our local ministry partners. This will be also in tandem with the life group's pastor position to be talked about next, but how are we aligning ourselves with these other people that are doing gospel work in our community? And so I'm excited about that role and that will really be a partnership with you 
with many of you. I've got a meeting next week with somebody who has said, I am interested in talking about connecting Northwest with local outreach partnerships. Yes, I'm excited about that conversation. We're excited about what that looks like for that person to help in wherever she is passionate about helping lead in that area. And it's gonna be cool. Can't wait to see how that sh shapes out. And the last thing is this position that is labeled to be hired. And that's because we believe as we start sharing this vision of where we are going as a church, that life groups, these small groups of people living on mission is vital. Sunday morning is, is important and the preaching of God's word that is a catalyst for us to scatter into the world throughout the week is, is key. And so we have great leadership over that, but we have not put our money where our mouth is, so to speak, over the years of that role getting the due that, that it needs. And so we recognize this as an area of ministry that we want to affirm and put somebody in that role. We're not just going to go out and pick the first person that raises their hand and says they want to do it to pay them necessarily. Some of you might raise your hand and say, hey, I want to help with that, and that's great. Come on, help us, because to start with, Steve Dingleline and I are going to help take that off of Matt's plate in a season of transition to ultimately be somebody else's, and we might need some of you to come alongside and say, hey, I'm passionate about that. Let me, let me think through strategy with that. Let's, let's talk about what that looks like to be more effective. We need you. We can't wait to partner with you in that. And so that's the fourth role that we see kind of in that realm. But to counter a, a phrase that I heard from somebody last week or a couple weeks ago, they said, hey, there's three of you. How are you going to do this? There's a correction that needs to be said because this next chart shows the, the staff team. It's not just the three of us, first of all, because we're all in this together as the body of Christ. But, but there's also three amazing part-time staff members that you may not even realize they're paid. Got Lusheen up here, he is, he's part of our staff team. And, and we wanna continue to affirm his role in helping lead us in areas of getting musicians up here that aren't just good players, but that are leading us in worship. And we have Christy Baker, who you may not ever recognize this, but she's on our team. She comes every week, she's a CPA, She's a finance person. She gets those things, and she helps protect that area of our church. So she works alongside of me to make sure that we're doing a good job there. She's taking on more things. I keep asking her if she'll take on more and just slowly getting those things there. And then Teresa Ballinger has stepped into the role of coordinator of Northwest Kids and uh, continues to help us lead in that area. And as we shape out what this next generation pastor role looks like and how a student and children's falls into that, we're gonna continue to develop those roles so that we can be effective at seeing the generations transformed. So those are some of the roles. There is one that's vacant up there that we think is gonna be pretty important pretty soon, and that's kind of a ministry assistant position. As we look at some of these areas where we have needs, we've needed this for a while. And so we have some volunteers who've said, hey, I'll come into the office, and that's gonna be a start for us. But we do see that as probably a, a position we'll hire pretty soon as somebody to come in and help with administrative and operational details throughout the week. And so that's a position that we'll be putting out there. And that maybe some of you even say, hey, I'm interested in talking about that. And we'd love to have that conversation. We're going to be developing that job. So that's, that's the staff team. But as I mentioned again, uh, that's just, this is just a small piece of how we are going to effectively see our mission statement be a reality as God works through us. And so we can't do it alone. We need you. Uh, we need you to be on board with us. We need you to be excited with us. Uh, we need you to raise your hand and say, hey, I'm in for this. How can I help? Um, I had somebody this morning say, hey, we need a training manual for setup. And I said, awesome. Send it to me when it's ready for us to look at. And, and, and he said, I'm on it. I, I'm like, okay, this is great. And that's the kind of attitude we need because this person, is, if he's, he's equipped to do it. He's part of the setup team. He knows better than I do. And it's going to be awesome to see when that comes together. And the next person, one of you, says, hey, I'm ready for setup. We'll just hand you the manual and say, hey, read this this week and then come train with us on Sunday. And you'll be so much better than the guys that have been doing it for three weeks because they learned on the fly. So that's beauty of this body, though, as this, this guy who we love and who is just, he's just a volunteer. He said, hey, can I do this? He put his hand up. He said, I'm in. Let's go. 
Let's make this better. Let's make this more effective. And so uh, it's going to be awesome to do this together. So I'm going to let a couple of these guys talk about those roles. So uh, Steve, take it from here. We love you guys. Thanks, David. My name is Steve Dingledine. My wife, Wendy, and I have four children, and we've been attending Northwest uh, since 2009. And I can tell you it has been just a great gift to my life uh, to be a part of this body, to see how God has used so many of you in my life and allowed opportunities for me to serve. And I love it. I have the privilege this morning of talking about Matt Rice, talking about his giftings and his calling to you. It's such a privilege. All those elder qualities and qualifications that were mentioned earlier, we've had the privilege of witnessing those on display in the life of Matt Rice. He's a man who said that he's called by God to share the gospel in this specific part of the world. We believe him and we affirm him. Matt, we're so thankful for you and the gift that you are to our body. His specific role moving forward will be to lead our teaching of God's word, as well as lead pastoral care and counseling teams. We'll have opportunities for other staff and elders, and even those from outside of the body to come and open God's word before us and teach. So it's not all gonna fall on Matt. It's also important for you to know some things that Matt may not be doing. We've alluded to it. Some of you have expressed concern. We obviously don't want any of our staff members to ever burn out. That's important. And that we want you to know that our elder team takes that seriously. And we put things in place to protect against that. If I could tell you stories about people in this body who have already raised their hand to step up and help and take some responsibility off Matt, I believe it would inspire you and would also make you glad to call Northwest your home. In line with the new mission, we're rethinking how to best care for people in their time of need and doing that in ways that does not fall on Matt to do. He's going to lead other people to help care for the body. Something special happens when the body is the body. And if you've been on the receiving end of that, you know it. And if you've been on the giving end of that, you know it. And so we're going to do a better job in leading those teams. We're empowering Matt to lovingly say no at times and to delegate those items so that he can stay laser focused on the role that's before him. Matt is a student of the word. He listens for the still small voice of God in order to bring that truth before us as God's people and to those that hopefully will respond to the gospel. Matt, you have full permission to passionately preach as the Lord leads. Don't hold back. Our broken world needs hard truth boldly proclaimed in a loving and humble way. Amen? We know that you understand the weight of responsibility to bring sound doctrine and theological truths before us that empowered by the Holy Spirit will guide us through gospel transformation. We love you. We affirm you. Good morning, Northwest. If I have not met you before, my name is Jeff Rutledge and my wife Robin and I and our three children have been at Northwest for about seven years now. I've been a part of the elder team for two years. As you look over our new mission statement that was presented earlier, hopefully one of the key words that jumps out to you is the word generations. At Northwest, we strongly believe in the concept that the gospel is truly important for every generation, from the newborn baby born yesterday right up until the most senior person in the body. We are all united in the fact that we are in need of a savior, and his name is Jesus. Adam King, as he said earlier, has been with Northwest for a little over nine years now as our director of student ministries. And if you've had a student during your time with us here, no doubt he or she and you and your family have been 
impacted in some significant degree by Adam and by the ministries that he has overseen within our church. If you spend time with Adam, or even if you've been to our services and you've seen him up here, like on Youth Sunday, it doesn't take very much time at all for you to realize the love and the passion that he has for these students and his desire for them to come to know Jesus and to grow in their relationship with him. Over this last year, as he mentioned earlier, Adam has done some significant soul searching, as we all have, and listening to the Lord as God has used our time with Mogzano to help better define his gifts, his passions, and his calling. And uh, Adam believes that during this last year, those things have been clarified in his life. And we as an elder team want to affirm today that that is in fact taking place. The church in America, is, as you may know, is in somewhat of a precarious position. Certainly we are under attack as Christians and we see more and more the younger generation turning away from the church. But we believe that God is bigger than that. And Adam's desire is to allow the Lord to impact this next generation, these guys right down here, and younger and older. Those who God will continue to use to establish his kingdom. Adam's vision is to see this next generation impact those around them and ultimately the world with the gospel. At Northwest, we have always believed that our job is not just to provide entertainment for our children and our youth, but we want them to fully encounter the life-changing message of the gospel and ultimately to come into a saving relationship with Jesus. This will be Adam's focus as we affirm him today as our next generation pastor. Or if you're a little younger and a little cooler, you can call it next gen pastor. He's the one who will be overseeing our ministries to those from birth through college age. We believe that God has equipped Adam and called him specifically for this role. The words pastor and shepherd, as we said earlier, are somewhat interchangeable, and so we feel that it's fitting that the title of pastor, next generation pastor, should be given to him because he will be the one who leads as a shepherd of our younger generation and to lead them through what we have referred to today as gospel transformation, a, uh, a concept that we'll be further unpacking this Sunday. As an elder team, we also believe strongly in the importance of discipleship and uh, we feel that this is an area that our church can grow in significantly and which will have a big role in the way that our church ultimately impacts the community around us. Discipleship can happen in many different ways, many different venues, but we do believe in the concept of family discipleship where one generation passes the gospel down to the next generation. And part of Adam's uh, desire and part of his role going forward will be to develop strategies and implement plans that will allow that process to take place so that we can have a greater impact in our church, in our next generation, and in those around us. So, Adam, we love you. We believe that God has called you to this role, and we look forward to seeing what he's going to do. Well, good morning. My name is Ryan Clark, and we're going to talk to you just a little bit about some strategic thinking. And one example of that is I strategically plan to be the last person so that I don't have to talk as long. No, in all seriousness, I've had the pleasure to be a part of Northwest for the last 11 years. A lot has happened through that time. My wife Emily joined me here shortly after I started coming. We've since had two boys and we've got a, a baby girl coming in January, so exciting times for us. But some of y'all might recognize me from conversations I've had from the stage regarding the church property, the development, the sale, the multiple failed contracts. And I can gladly say that to God's glory, that's not why I'm up here to talk to you today. I want to talk for a moment about 
this new role of executive pastor and the man we've chosen to fill that role. The title of executive pastor can come with pretty big connotations, right? And I want to clarify what that role is and why we're blessed to have David Amen a part of our team. As you've heard already, we as an elder team affirm our leadership structure, that it, it functions as a plurality of leadership. We don't have a senior pastor. We don't have a leader of leaders. Our leader of leaders is Jesus Christ. But with that being said, we do recognize there's a need to have a position filled where someone is actively analyzing our church body and its missional effectiveness. Okay? That comes through organization, accountability, and strategic thinking. I'm going to get to it, but obviously that with David standing next to me, if you know David, I mean, it's a perfect fit, right? But while all the elders up here, we are all ultimately responsible for those things, we believe it's essential to have a detailed and organized thinker working in the day-to-day -day operations of the church. We need to ensure that we are remaining focused, efficient, and effective, and making sure we're working in a manner that's worthy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Shifting to David, I've known him for about 20 years now, and he is a very special man. I honestly believe he could do anything he puts his mind to. I really believe that. There are many successful organizations in this world that would benefit to have him on their team, and I guarantee you they'd pay big bucks to do it. Many in the world would consider him foolish to take the talents he has and not utilize them to gain profit. Uh, but it, that takes me back because I was sitting to think about what I'm going to say about David. It, it brought me back to a time a while ago when we were in high school. And David had just gotten back from a missions trip to St. Lucia. And he's this young guy and interesting character. He was an overachiever. He wanted to be an architect, okay. But he walked up on stage and, and shared a testimony of how God had been working in his heart. And that he had been called to use his talents and gifts in service to the Lord in the function of full-time ministry. And that gives me chills to think about because I was there and now I'm here now. That started a trajectory, right, that has brought him here to us now for this moment in time. And I truly believe that God has blessed and raised David up for this position in this moment. So David, we as elders... Uh, want to affirm you in your new role. While we're still going, as has been said, through the transition and the process of affirming you as an elder, we are immediately affirming you in your role as a pastor. And we know you are competent, capable, and called with God's power and leading. He can and will do great things through you in this function. Okay? So, well, <laughs> lastly, scrip Scripture uses the analogy of the body very often to describe the church. And so we as elders are just one small piece of that body. And of course, probably depending on what we say up here, drives what part of the body you think we are. So like I said, we're just one small part of the body. And there's many other parts. Y'all out there, the deacons, and many other servants. And we hope that you leave from here today with just a piece of the forward vision, knowing that in the next couple of weeks we're going to dive into that more. But we really encourage you, while it's a busy season for the holidays, coming up, but this is a time that we're going to launch into a new season, a new, a new era for our church, and it is important that y'all seek the Lord in the next couple of weeks of how are you going to fit, what part of the body are you, 
And without further ado, Matt's got about an hour-long sermon. We'll, we'll start here, and he'll kick off. So, Let me be very clear, this is not a surprise to God. Let me be very clear that he is in charge of everything and hasn't stopped. There's a verse that I want to teach you in the next 15 minutes. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Um, what has been a, a summary of what I'd like to share what we've just shared with you is that, number one, we have, we have elders, we have staff, we have deacons, and we have you. But most importantly, we have King Jesus over all of it. And he moves and he speaks, and we desire to hear him, and we desire to make much of him. And I, I want to really just focus on this one verse. Several weeks ago, when I knew that this was going to be happening and that this Sunday was going to be happening, I just asked God, God, please Give me a verse that I could share with you that would encourage you and that would direct your confidence in who, we, who and what we put our confidence in. And so the Lord directed me to Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. And I want to give you some background so that we understand why this verse is so important and the reason that we have it and the reason that we can go forward in confidence by the, what Paul was teaching the church at Philippi. So if we really ha have understand, the church at Philippi, or the churches in the Philippi region, were started by Paul, who was on a missionary journey. We learned in Acts chapter 16, I actually spoke on that message, that Paul went into an area outside of Macedonia, went into Philippi, and he, he met this girl down by uh, the, the river who was having a Bible study. And her name is Lydia. She's a seller of purple. She was very well off. She was having a Bible study. She heard Paul and Silas and the others talking, and she gave her life to Christ. Then later, Paul goes, and he runs into this demon-possessed girl who is following him everywhere, and he says, get out of these, Satan, and all of a sudden, she becomes a believer as well. And then we go down, and we see that Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 are thrown in jail. They get beaten. The worst beating ever, they said. And they're sitting in the jail cell, and they're singing psalms to, and hymns to God. Now let me just make sure you understand something. That's the start at the church of Philippi. That's where Paul was. Several years later, Paul is in a Roman jail. He's sitting in there, and he's writing a letter back to one of his, one of his most faithful ministry partners, and that's the churches in the Philippi region, and there's the letter that we have. And so here he is, house arrest in Rome, writing back a letter to the churches at Philippi. And he writes down, and I want to read to you this beautiful verse. And I want to make some comments on it as well. So here's the verse. Just one verse for us today. It says this in, in verse uh, 6 of chapter 1. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to know that several years ago that I memorized this verse. And I would even encourage you today to memorize this verse because it is a great declaration to you personally. And for my entire life and my entire ministry, this verse has been incredibly important to me. I have looked at it in the context and in the subject being it is God and it is doing something in Matt Rice. And I have been encouraged. I have been passionately uh, challenged when I see this word, see this word that he's not done with me. And as I'm walking on the beach in Topsail Beach two weeks ago, the Lord said, notice the context by which the verse was written. It was written to a church. It is, can be definitely applied to us as individuals, but it was written to a gathering of people and can it be applied to an individual, but it also must be applied 
to a group as well. And so as I look at that verse, I'm just overwhelmed by several things in the context. So I want you to join me this morning as we just take a look at this verse and what it, what it, what it could mean for us. Not look at it selfishly, but look at it corporately. Look at it together. What could this be saying to us? What, what kind of confidence and challenge could we see from just this one verse right here? So first thing I want you to see is the confidence of the church is God. I want you to see very clearly, i say it again, the confidence of the church is God. Take a look at the very first part. I'm, I'm overwhelmed by it. It says, and I am sure of this. Notice the confidence there. Paul comes right out of the gate. He looks at the Philippians. He's writing them a letter. What's going on in this context is Paul understood that when he was planting that church or when that church was founded because he was a church planter there, that he was thrown in jail because he was teaching the gospel. Word had gotten back to him that some of those things were still taking place in this city. So there were some trials that were going on. And Paul, who is bound in a house in Rome, writing a letter, and he says, I want you to know that I am sure of this. Notice, understand the confidence, but I need you to see where the confidence comes from. I am sure of this, that he, we have to stop right there and understand who he is. Because here we have someone writing this letter who was a persecutor of Christians, who killed Christians, who mocked Christians. He made fun of Christians. And then one day, in Acts chapter 9, he became one. God radically transformed his life because that's what God does. And so then he is sitting here in this and he's looking back at the Philippians and saying, hey, I was in jail when you first got started. I'm sitting here to tell you that that might be really tough with what you're going through. But listen to me, listen to me. I am confident of this, that he, let us never, Northwest, ever get past the he and what he can do. Let our confidence as a church be rooted in him because here is Paul. He's sitting here persecuting the church. Then he gets saved. And I believe what comes back to his mind is he's sitting there, if you allow me this freedom, is he's sitting back there going, wow, this God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh. He brought a flood, but he spared his people because he made a covenant with them. He, he delivered his people out of Egyptian bondage. He parted the Red Sea. He, he, he raised up prophets so that they could speak on his behalf so that he could tell you and I and, and those around him that, who he was and what he was going to do. He, he sent his one and only son who died, was buried, and, please help me, he rose again. He rose again. And so Paul comes to this word recognizing that not only did he do that, he gave us the Holy Spirit that would convict us of our sins and give us the power to do what he told us that he would do from the beginning in the mission. And then Paul took it personally, I believe, as he's sitting down noticing his confidence, as he sits there and he goes, I was radically transformed by Jesus. He saved me, listen, he saved me from being a religious person. That is one of the greatest dangers here in the Bible Belt. It's this idea of our Savior being our religion rather than our Savior being this God that we serve. And here Paul is overwhelmed by that. And not only is he overwhelmed by that, he's overwhelmed that God has created the church because not only did he write a letter to the Philippians, he wrote a letter to the Ephesians, to the Colossians. I mean, he's planting churches all over the place by God's grace and God's power. And so Paul right now is overwhelmed and gripped with confidence because he's declaring to them, listen to me, don't you forget, so that he who began, it's he, and that's the he that we serve. 
And listen to me, Northwest, I want you to understand that our confidence that Paul shows and let this verse motivate us because the God that did is the God that still does. Listen to me, the God that did is the God that still does. And so Paul is overwhelmed. He's pointing back to him. Hey, listen to me. I want you not to forget, and I'm confident of this, that he let us never get over, let us never serve ourselves, let us serve him. It is for him, it is by him, it is through him to God be the glory. That's our confidence. And then he comes down and he goes down. He says, so it's he. And then he says, he did what? What did he do? He who began a good work in you. Listen to me, that word, two words I want you to focus on right now. Began and in. Began and in. Listen, God has always, always, and will always be about gospel transformation. That's what he's about. We call that at Northwest progressive, we call that basically, the Bible calls it progressive sanctification. Meaning we're all the time getting cleaned up. Sanctified means to cleanse. Sanctified means to be clean. Progressive sanctification is we are on a journey until Jesus calls us home or he comes back to being cleaned up. And what he's saying this is the God who began this, he's the one that's going to finish it. He's the one who started it. As we, we, we look at our church and we recognize that Northwest Community Church in its inception was birthed out of an idea from the very beginning for an idea, with the idea and with the belief that God could do something supernatural in this area. The church was started with that idea. Me personally, my journey, you've heard a couple of people's journey up here about how they came to Northwest. I was a staff pastor at Apex Baptist Church. I was the minister of evangelism and family life. And uh, did that for nine years. Around year um, seven and a half, I got really, really itchy to plan a church. I just got really, un I got an unrest. And I just wanted to plan a church. And so I made a, an appointment with Pittsburgh Town Hall, the, 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 the planners for Pittsburgh. North Carolina, and I drove down in around 2006, 2007, and I went down there to sit there and ask them, where in the world is the growth coming, and are there any churches in the area that are not, that, that, that they need the gospel, they, they need the gospel preached to them. And I went down there and we investigated. Shortly after that, our church at Apex Baptist Church got a call from uh, the Baptist State Convention and basically said, we understand that there is a growing area of Cary that at the current time it's under 20,000 people, and by the year of 20. 20, it's going to be somewhere over 75,000 people. It's known an area of the Amberley Cary Park, Northwest Cary Corner. And we desire to see a church plant a church there. And my father-in-law, who's sitting out there, looked at me and said, you ready? You want to go? I said, I do. And I took my lunch hour and I would come out here to, to Northwest Cary and I stood on Yatesore Road and it was a dirt road. There was nothing out here. And I begged and I pleaded, God, do something in this place. And if it be your will, move in here and let me please be a part of it. So when I look at this text and I see that he who began a good work will see it through. I'm overwhelmed. I'm simply overwhelmed. The good work of gospel transformation. Standing on that road, in that dirt road. Seeing that that road is paved. For eight years I lived, I looked out my, my kid's bedroom window. And I looked out that, 
I looked out their bedroom window and the back of the house was facing Gates door where I stood and we prayed. God began something and he's going to finish something. That's what he does. He starts what he finishes. My, my, the, the beauty of this, this part of the text is, what, what does it say? It says he brings. It said God will bring. He will bring, meaning he is escorting us. He is leading us. His Holy Spirit is guiding us. Let me tell you something. He passionately guides us so that we passionately can guide others. That's the way it's connected. You hear me? He passionately guides us. He brings us along in our individual depravity, cleaning us up individually and corporately for his name's sake. We, he does that. He brings us along. I look at the, the father who brings his daughter down the aisle to be married. He escorts her down. And here is the God of creation that Paul is so unbelievably confident in and saying he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus. And I'm, I'm just a mess, really, with that idea. I don't believe that um, we're, God is surprised. God is, we can have confidence in him for how he has worked, what he has done, and what he will do. My main statement that I want to share with you uh, right now is this. I want us to be confident in these three things. Number one, that God finishes what he starts. Please don't ever forget that. God finishes what he starts. He is not finished with you, number two. And number three, he is not finished with us. To God be the glory. For great things he has done and for great things he will do. December the 2nd, December the 2nd and, and following uh, we're going to unpack our vision statement for the glory of God and understand how we put action step to what it looks like. But the way that I want us to go out this morning is I, I, I want us to stand up and declare that verse as, as, a, as a prayer over our church. I want to invite you right now to stand. I want you to go ahead and stand up right now. And so I am uh, going to Lovingly lead us in, in this verse right here. Praying this verse with the idea, understanding this, that this verse was given to the church as a declaration that we can be confident in the God who began this work and he'll see it through. So I, wanna, I want us to say this verse together and then I want to pray for us as we leave here today. Understanding that we can have great confidence, not in us, but what in he can do. Amen? Let's look at verse 6 and let's say it together. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I deeply love you and I'm excited for us. Let's pray. God in heaven, I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you, God, for the privilege that, that I have to stand up here right now and to open up and, and, and to look at this verse and how, God, you can use this verse to remind us of how our confidence must be completely in you. God, we let you down. We, we falter, but we are grateful and we are confident that you will lead us. 
We desperately need you. We desperately want you. We want to be teachable. We want to be humble. And we know that your spirit can do that in us. We know that from the very beginning, God, you have been about gospel transformation. That you are all about changing lives. And God, our desire here is not to start something different, but to be a part of what you are already doing. So we confidently come to you, acknowledging you, that you always move, that you definitely change. And we want to join you in that work right here in Northwest Cary and beyond. Lord, we desire for people in this area not to remember the name on the outside of the building, but to remember the name that is lifted up on the inside, and that is Jesus Christ, and it is him and him alone that is the cornerstone of this church, and we desire to be faithful to him. God, I pray that you would raise up people in this church that have confidence in you and confidence to go forward so that we might do the work that you have laid out for us. In Ephesians 10, you said that we are your workmanship created in you for good works that you laid out before us. God, some of those works we don't know about and some of those works we don't know who's going to do it. But God, I pray that you would define that, you would clear that up, you would empower us, and you would use us for your glory. We love you. We thank you for our church. Use us to make much of you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.